Growing in God's Word and learning what it means to take up our cross and follow Jesus. This is Crosswalk with Pastor Clay Stevens from Cross Culture Church in Raleigh. God doesn't need our thanksgiving. You and I, on the other hand, need to be thankful to God. Thanksgiving. Everybody knows we should offer it to God. As followers of Jesus, we understand that God deserves our thanksgiving. But have you ever stopped to think about the benefit to you for being thankful? Because when we are thankful to God for who He is, for what He has done, for who He is in our lives, our faith grows. And when our faith grows, God's peace comes. And when God's peace comes, anxiousness flees. I'm Rick Freeman. Welcome to Crosswalk. As we draw nearer to Thanksgiving, we continue our series on that very subject. Not so much the holiday itself, but the importance of Thanksgiving for all of us in our daily lives. Today, Pastor Clay is taking us to a well-known passage of Scripture to most of us, Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. Now, that's not a passage you normally think of when discussing the subject of Thanksgiving. But as we'll hear in today's message, Thanksgiving is the key to living a life without anxiety and worry. And that's a life that's not only good for us, it's good for others to see how following Jesus is making a difference in our lives. I'll be back at the end of the message to wrap things up. But now, here's Pastor Clay as we continue our series, Thanksgiving. It's not just for pilgrims. Have you heard that it's not just for pilgrims? All right, three of you have. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's not just for... I, I don't think there's a person in here that would argue with this statement. God deserves thanksgiving. Yeah, right? I, I, don't, I don't think that anybody in here would, would argue with that statement. The fact that, that God is worthy of us offering up thanks to Him for being our God because of reasons that I mentioned last week and that I'll and a few others that we'll probably mention in the remaining couple of weeks of this series on Thanksgiving we know that God is worthy and he is worthy of worship he's worthy of praise he's worthy of thanksgiving because as I said last week because of who he is because of what he has done and because of who we are to him who he is what he has done, and who we are to him. That's uh, why we offer thanksgiving to God. And there are more reasons than that, but that's, that's the reasons that we said last week. So, God is worthy of thanksgiving. And our thanksgiving should not have an ulterior motive to it. In other words, we do not offer thanksgiving to God so we will get something out of it, right? I mean, that really wouldn't even be thanksgiving if that were our motive. Well, if I, if I do this, then this will work out for me. So it's, it's, it's not a motive. It's not an ulterior motive for what we offer thanksgiving. God is worthy of it regardless. But there are benefits to being thankful. Uh, Open your Bibles this morning, if you will, to the book of Philippians. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. Just two verses. And, you know, normally we like to work through an entire section and all that kind of stuff. But just two verses this morning. Um, Because the Apostle Paul, who wrote this letter, uh, oftentimes makes these, uh, these 
Pauline promises written under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and he makes these declarative statements. I think we're, by just reading those two verses, we can capture the contextual uh, idea of Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. And I want to have you do something with me this morning. I want to have you read it with me out loud. This is from the New American Standard Bible, uh, but if you'll say this out loud with me, be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Father God, I thank you for the truth of your word, and I pray that very prayer that these people have just now spoken back to you, to speak your own word back to you that it would have its effect in each person's life. Lord God, we struggle with anxiousness. We struggle with worry and stress and doubts and fears. Teach us the truth of your word today and the importance of thanksgiving in that, in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen. There are benefits to being thankful. How does the idea of a stress-free, worry-free, anxiousness-free, I don't know if that's a word, anxiousness-free life, how does that sound to you? Sounds pretty good, doesn't it? Well, this morning from Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7, I want to take just a few minutes to walk through this and look at really what is, what is kind of a three-step process to having that in our life. I actually, honestly, truly believe that it is possible to live life without worry and anxiety and fear. And we'll talk about it and all that kind of stuff. But from Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7, three-step process. The first step in the process this morning looks like this. Thanksgiving produces faith. Thanksgiving produces faith faith. Uh, The Apostle Paul comes along in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6, and he makes this declarative statement. And as I often say, he's writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, meaning that this is God saying this. He's, He's working in and through the Apostle Paul to make this declarative statement, be anxious for, say it with me, nothing. Be anxious for nothing. I want you to think about that in the context of your life. Remembering that God never asked you or me to do something that cannot be done. That would be nonsensical. Now, in our own strength, in our own power, there are things that God asks us to do that we cannot accomplish, that we cannot do. But God would not, God will not ask you to do something that with, in his power and strength, you cannot accomplish. He just doesn't operate like that. And here is God saying, be anxious for nothing. Again, in the context of your life, think about your life on a daily basis, on the stuff that goes on in your life, all of the, all of the uncertainties, all the trials, all the difficulties that you often face in life. And here is Paul, in essence, God writing through him, saying, be anxious for nothing. It's hard, isn't it? Let's be honest. It's not easy. 
stuff happens. So, we pray, right? And, and, and rightfully so. Paul tells us, right, in this very verse, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer. I want to ask you a question. What is the purpose of prayer? If Paul says, makes this declarative statement, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer. What is the purpose of prayer? Surely you and I understand that prayer's purpose is not informative, right? In other words, we understand that you and I are, when we go to God in prayer, we're not informing God of anything. Now, God may inform us of some things through the process of prayer, but when we go to God in in prayer, it is not to inform God of anything, because He's God. It is not information that we're talking about, but it is demonstration, really, is what we're talking about. Prayer, basically, the purpose of prayer is not to inform God of anything, but to demonstrate our faith in God to meet the need that we have. Let me read that again to you. The purpose of prayer is not to inform God of anything, but to demonstrate our faith in God to meet the need that we have. And so we pray. So where does thanksgiving fit into all of this? Well, Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7 is a, a very popular Uh, two verses for for followers of Jesus. Uh, Probably many of you in this room have memorized Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. And perhaps you, as I have done, sometimes in in the process of memorizing and reciting it, I have at times said it like this. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, shall guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That certainly is correct. That certainly is right. There's nothing wrong with, with Saul. All I did was, was quote the verse. But it might help us understand the intended meaning. It might, it might help it click a little bit better if perhaps we said it this way. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God on and on. Do you hear the difference? Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. As a matter of fact, in, in the original language that the New Testament was written in, which was Greek, there's actually a definite article before both the word prayer, and the word supplication. So it's a, it would be a little stiff, but it would literally read, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by the prayer and the supplication with thanksgiving. It is both. Supplication, by the way, uh, can also be translated, and maybe even depending on what translation you have, can also be translated as entreaty. In classical Greek, it was a, it was a phrase, it was a word that was used for a prisoner's plea uh, for freedom. The prisoner, uh, him or her, would would bring their entreaty, they would bring their supplication to the person who was responsible for uh, their life, basically. 
Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. So what we see is that these, this idea of prayer and supplication or entreaty basically work in unison. It's, it's like hand in glove. It's, it's two sides of the same coin. Prayer is the vehicle through which we bring our supplication to God for the needs that we have in our lives, as Paul says that we should do. Prayer is the vehicle through which we bring our entreaty, through which we bring our supplication to God. But as it says there in verse 6, don't miss the fact that our supplication must be connected to what? Say it again. Say it one more time. Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Ding, 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 ding. Johnny, tell them what they've won. Actually, I'll tell you what you've won in just a minute. But the idea is that my supplication, my entreaty, my going to God in prayer must be accompanied by thanksgiving. Now, the question then becomes, how can I be thankful? If, if I'm in the midst of this, whatever it is in my life, if I'm in the midst of this, uh, this turmoil, if I'm in the midst of this tragedy, if I'm in the midst of this, this trial, this circumstance, this hardship, this, uh, how, how am I thankful in that? Well... You have, to, you have to look for it. First, you have to look back. You need to look back in your life at all of the times that God has been there for you. If you're here and you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you have to look back to your salvation. Do you remember when that was? It may have been two months or 20 years ago. But do you remember that time? If you're here and you know you've given your life to Christ and he's redeemed you, do you ever look back on that moment in your life? Do you ever think about the circumstances that God arranged when you weren't even looking for God? You have to look back at them. You have to look back at, at, at how God orchestrated it. You have to look back at the people God brought into your life. You have to look back at, how, at the sin that God redeemed you from and the life that he pulled you out of. You have to look back at all that. You have to look back at how the grace of God has been poured out time and again on your life and my life. We look back. At that, If we're going to learn how to be thankful in the midst of our circumstance, and if thankfulness is, is crucial for, for faith, we have to look back at where we've been and all that God has done. Besides looking back, we have to look around. Now listen, I know, I know this is hard, right? When you're in the middle of all of it, when you're in the middle of your circumstance, when you're in the middle of your trial, it's very difficult uh, to to take your focus off of that trial, off of that circumstance. But if we can do that for just a moment, and that's a key, but if we can take our eyes off of our, whatever it is that's causing this anxiousness in our life, and ask the question, is everything in my life bad? Really? Is there not anything in my life that I can look at and be thankful for. I, I suspect that if you and I, as I said, can take our eyes off of whatever it is that's causing the fear, causing the anxiety, causing the, the uh, stress, the worry. If we can take our eyes off of that and begin to look around, we can find some things to begin to say, God, thank you. Thank you for this. God, thank you for that. God, thank you for, for this person and, and, and how they're working in our life. Thank you for what's happening in this situation. 
Maybe even just thankful for an opportunity. Have you, hey, have you ever been in the midst and it's been so deep and so dark that you just, something happens and, you're, and, you, and you laugh and it suddenly dawns on you, I don't even know when the last time was I laughed. Maybe it's just thankful for the laugh or a smile or, or whatever it is. But to look around and be thankful. Hey, uh, and, and what, can I say this too without making anybody too mad? What about the circumstance itself? What about the situation itself that is causing you worry? Can you look at that situation and actually find something within that to be thankful for? For those of you that know them, is it possible for Will and Jenna Brown to look at their situation and not be thankful that their daughter has cancer? That would be idiotic. But to be thankful in the midst of that, that they sense God's presence, maybe in a way they've never sensed it before. To be thankful that they feel his strength and his power. To be thankful for how he's using people and how he's working and overseeing the situation. To be thankful that his purposes will be accomplished. To be thankful that he's an eternal God. And so no matter what happens, they know that God is going to work things out. As John quoted this morning from Romans chapter 8, for good, look around. You got to look for it. And then, kind of connected to that, is you have to look ahead. Much of life, much of what goes on is a mystery, right? Nobody has this whole thing figured out. Nobody human here on earth. Nobody has all this thing figured out. Nobody understands why some of the things happen that happen and some things that don't happen don't happen. Nobody understands exactly, you know, some of the, all the stuff in life, right? But here's what we know. We know that God is a good God. We know that. We know that from both his word, which is the primary source, that's our authority. But we also know it from personal experience in our lives. Not that every event in our life is good. But for those of us that have walked with Jesus for a while through some some deep water at times and have sensed his presence, we know that God is good. And if we know that God is good, we can know that God's ultimate purposes will be achieved. And so we can look ahead to that by faith, knowing that God is accomplishing his purpose. And looking even farther ahead, looking ahead to the eternity that God has out there. And, and, and we, we, can't, we shouldn't ignore that. Christianity is much, much more than that. But, but it's, it's looking ahead to that, that eternity that awaits us, that, that Revelation chapter 21 and 22, that fabulous ending, that new heaven and that new earth and this eternal presence of God and all that that will be. To look ahead and be thankful. That's, that's part of this deal. Thankfulness, thankfulness builds, it creates faith. Let me just say this real quick before I move on to the other one. There are at least two reasons why God wants you to get this, okay? There are at least two reasons why God doesn't want you to, to live in anxious town. One, he's your father. He's your heavenly father. And like any loving father, he wants the best for you. Second reason, is because God desires to draw other people unto himself. Watch it. Through you. Through you. And quite honestly, anxiety and stress and worry and fear aren't the best advertisements 
for the product you're trying to sell somebody on, if you know what I mean by that term. If I'm a follower of Jesus and I am anxious and worried and stressed out and fearful, then why would my neighbors or coworkers or anybody else for that matter, why would they want the Jesus that I keep trying to sell them? I keep trying to sell them on? Why would they want him? He's not making any difference in my life. It's, you see, they have to see the Christ-filled life being lived out through us. And so thankfulness produces faith in my life, which then leads to the second step. Faith produces peace in my life. Faith produces peace. Look at verse 7. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. A couple things to keep in mind here. First off, this peace is the peace of God. Okay? It's not some cheap man-made imitation that, you know, maybe relieves your circumstances for some short period of time or distracts you by, you know, whatever way that it might do that. This is deep abiding, fulfilling, satisfying, true peace. That, as Paul says, passes all understanding, some translations have, or surpasses all comprehension. In other words, this God peace, it, it, it doesn't even make sense. It's, it's not even logical, but it's absolutely attainable. God wants you to have it. And this peace... Paul says, comes to you through thanksgiving. It's the peace of God, which is the the second idea is, it's conditional peace. It's not only the peace of God, it's God's peace, it's conditional peace. I think it's pretty clear in the text. If you do verse 6, you get verse 7. If you don't do verse 6, you don't get verse 7. If you don't pray and bring your supplication with thanksgiving to God... If thanksgiving is not a part of that element, if it's not building your faith, then it seems pretty clear. There's no peace. It's conditional. And most everybody in here is old enough to know the truth of this. Life will always provide plenty of opportunities. Life is a perfect breeding ground for for fear and anxiety and worry, isn't it? So it, 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 will, it will always be there. It's always the, the, the temptation to be anxious or to worry in our lives. But Paul says, if, if you bring your request to God with a heart that's grateful, if you're looking back and you're looking around and you're looking ahead and you see God in all of it, as you do, your circumstance becomes smaller and smaller and God becomes bigger and bigger in your life. But it is conditional. But the condition is, if you do this with thanksgiving, the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehensions, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Uh, this, this, This week marks the... Uh, 19th anniversary of uh, my surrender to full-time vocational ministry, to uh, use that term, surrender, to full-time vocational ministry. Um, November the 8th, Sunday night, November the 8th, 1992, I had been doing part-time ministry for 
a few years, but uh, with never any idea that I'd be going into full-time vocational ministry. But November the 8th, 1992, uh, since just God was, would not let me go about it, I went forward on a Sunday night and publicly uh, admitted or professed that God was calling me to, uh, to preach and to, to uh, preach His Word, to pastor a church and, and all that uh, kind of stuff. Now, I would never say, or I would not say, that I ever ran from God's call in my life. But I would probably say I didn't rush into it. There was some anxiety. There was some uncertainty. There was some doubt. Oh, is this God or is this just me trying to be somebody? I knew I was going to have to go back to school. I knew we'd be selling our home, moving to a new location. What about my career? What about my wife and kids and all those kind of things? So it, it, it wasn't, a, a, there, were, there was plenty of opportunity there. But when I finally made that decision, like I said, that Sunday night, and I just, I just released it to God, I, I, and I went forward, and, and I just, I said, God, it's, it's yours. And this, in my mind, or it's basically is, is what I said. God, this is what, I believe you're calling me to do this. I'm going to do this. If, if I'm wrong, and I say this a lot to God, if I'm wrong, slam the door, kick me in the behind, do whatever you have to do uh, to stop me, but I believe this is what you've called me to do with my life. Uh, I'm moving forward with it. My, my life, my family, they're your responsibility. Uh, I'm, I'm turning it over to you. I'm moving forward. The moment I did that in my life, there was such, uh, there was such a sense of peace that came into my life that, for the most part, has never left me since then. Now, now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying I always get it right. I don't. But what I'm saying is when, you're, when, when you look back and you look around and you look ahead and you offer up this thanksgiving to God, when you recognize who He is and, and what He's done and, and who you are to Him and you're continually thankful to Him, it builds this faith in your life. And the more, and I have discovered, at least in my life, based on the truth of God's Word, the more my faith grows, the greater God's peace becomes present in my life. Which is exactly what Paul is saying there. Do this, and the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, shall guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So, faith, or thanksgiving, produces faith. Faith produces peace. Last step, peace reduces anxiety. Now, the reason I say reduces instead of say, eliminates, is because, as I said a moment ago, life is a perfect breeding ground for all of those things that we would love to get rid of. Fear, anxiety, worry, stress, all that kind of stuff. Life produces all of that stuff. Life, the stuff of life, is always barking at our heels. Y'all know what I mean by that? So the question is not whether God's peace is sufficient enough to meet each situation in my life. The question is, am I going to live in the reality of God's peace so that he can meet every situation in my life? Am I going to continue to be thankful regardless of the circumstance? Am I going to continue to think of all that God has done for me, is doing for me, and will do for me? So that it can have its effect, so that my faith can grow, and so that his, his peace is, is dominant in my life. So that anxiety, fear, and worry end up where they belong, in my rearview mirror. It's interesting, in verse 7, uh, the word uh, guard there, uh, it, it's, according to my 
Greek linguistic key. Uh, guard was a military term picturing soldiers standing on guard. Now watch this. Standing on guard duty and refers to the guarding of the city gate from within. I thought that was very interesting. Because you think of guards, you know, they're like outside, they're guarding. No, guarding the city gate from within as a control on all who went out. So, hey, listen, folks, you know what that means? That means the circumstances, the trials, the stuff of life may still come into your life, right? But God's peace stands there like a guard. Your faith in Him that creates this peace stands there like a guard and it keeps us from bolting. It keeps us from heading to worry town because of, oh, the situation, oh... But to be able to say, no, no, God, God's got this. God's got my back. God's in this situation. I said a minute ago, this is the 19th anniversary of our call to ministry. Um, A few years after that, when I was in seminary at Southeastern Seminary, um, you know, it was a fun, it was really, it was a fun time in our life. It it really was. Um, And it's, and often much is made of, and I don't want to poor mouth it, but it's just the way it is. Uh, Most seminary students don't have a lot of money. Don't have a lot of, uh, you know, extra income to spend, which none of us do, but uh, that much necessarily. But in seminary, it's just, it's, that's just how it is uh, sometimes. Uh, we lived in a part of seminary housing. Now, today, nowadays, uh, John and other seminary students, they have really nice housing now. Uh, but when we went there a long time, I mean, housing, I mean, it was really bad. It was, it was, we lived in a, a section of the housing that was affectionately known as the gospel ghetto. That's what it's known as, the gospel ghetto, because um, uh, it, was really, it was really poor and kind of run down. Uh, and nobody had much money, but everybody was preparing for, for ministry. Uh, some of y'all heard me, I've said this before, but uh, our apartment had orange shag carpet. It really did, it had orange shag carpet. And uh, the walls were so thin that not only could you hear your neighbors talking during dinner, you could smell what they were having for dinner. I mean, it was, it, truly, it was like that. So, but it was, it, it was fun. It was, it was really cool. While I was a student there, uh, there was a, another gentleman. He was, he was older than me. Uh, his name was Paul. Now, I don't know what Paul did before he went to seminary. I don't know if he was financially well off. I don't know that he was just kind of uh, scraping by like the rest of us. But Paul came up to me one day and he said, Clay, I want to give you something. And he hands me a card. He says, I want to I give you this card. And he says, now I'm going to tell you right now, Clay, there's money in this card. And he said, I'm giving it to you. It's for your use. He said, I only have one condition, Clay. He said, I only want you to open this card if you absolutely have to. It's yours. It's yours for using. Whatever you do with it, I've let go of it. Whatever you do with it, it's totally up to you. But I'm asking you, my only request is that you never open this card unless you have absolutely nothing else and God has not met your need in some other way. That was... uh, 13, 14 years ago. I still haven't opened the card. There may be $10 in there, $100, $1,000. Maybe nothing in there. It may have just been kidding. <laughs> and by the grace of God, I'll never find out what's in this card. And, and what Paul was saying to me by giving me that card that day, and what I'm saying to y'all here today, I, I know I've got to wrap this up, but what I'm saying to you is, is that when, when you actually begin to, to, to look back and look around and look ahead and you begin to see how faithful God is and how God meets you in the midst of that, that tornado that is going on in your life, 
And you see how he comes through time and time and time again. Listen to me. That's a peace. That brings with it a peace that no amount of money can buy. I said at the beginning, and I want to reemphasize it, God is worthy of thanksgiving. Regardless. But he doesn't need it. God is God. And whether you and I thank him, praise him, worship him, he'll still be God. He'll still be on his throne. God doesn't need our thanksgiving. You and I, on the other hand, need to be thankful to God. Because when we are thankful to God for who he is, for what he has done, for who he is in our lives, our faith grows. And when our faith grows, God's peace comes. And when God's peace comes, anxiousness flees. See, It's really not just for pilgrims. Thanks, Pastor. That's a good word for those of us who struggle with worry and anxiety. Clearly, God doesn't want us to have to live that way. And as we heard today, we don't have to. As Pastor Clay explained in his message, as we look back, look around, and look ahead at all that God has done, is doing, and will do, we can offer up thanksgiving to God. God deserves our thanks, but as we offer it to God, we also see our faith grow as we take time to recognize how God is at work. That faith produces the peace of God in our lives. That faith produces the peace of God in our life, and when the peace of God is present in our life, anxiety has no place. Isn't our God amazing? Even when we are giving to Him what He alone deserves, our thanks, He gives back to us what we desperately need. His peace. We're glad you joined us for this week's message on Crosswalk. Each week, Pastor Clay opens the Bible and brings out its exciting and practical truths to apply to our lives. Cross Culture Church is a new church in North Raleigh, but instead of religion, we're about relationships. And instead of rituals, we practice realness. We meet Sundays at 1030 at Leesville Road High School, a mile and a half south of I-540, exit 7. And we welcome anyone looking for a place to learn about God's plan for their life. At Cross Culture Church, we experience the liberating, satisfying, life-changing power of the cross. And it's our desire to bring that power to a culture in need of freedom, hope, and joy. We hope you'll come join us on a Sunday morning. We'll save a seat for you. I'm not the water, I'm not the bread, but I know the place where your soul is fed. So hungry and thirsty, come and be blessed. I want to lead you to the cross. I want to lead you to the cross. I want to lead you to the cross. Cross Culture Church. Taking the cross to our culture and taking our culture to the cross. Visit us online at crossculturelife.org.